0: The Retail Ready Podcast is proudly sponsored by Botanica Blends. Straight from the Wizard's Cauldron, we stock delicious plant protein for the likes of our famous vanilla cake batter and caramelised popcorn. We've got desserts like our dreamy jelly, vegan custard and our latest date-free protein bars. We are currently offering 20% off to all Retail Ready podcast listeners until the end of October. So head on down to botanicablends.com.au and use the code READY20 at the checkout. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Beautiful. Well, welcome back everyone to the Retail Ready podcast. And another guest is joining me today uh, to kind of finish off the year. I think uh, we'll release this episode in December next week, so middle of December. And then I'll probably do one more episode uh, where I'll review the whole year because what an interesting year it has been and what's to come next year in my world and probably trends and stuff like that. But first, I'd like to welcome Guy. Welcome to the show, Guy.
1: Hi, Ben. How are you doing?
0: I am well, I am well and we were going to meet in person but uh, unfortunately um, a full-time job meetings and that so we're doing this online which I think this year has taught us that you can do anything online these days. So um, Yeah I
1: think we are very of- excited to meet in person because when we started talking about this we were th- in the thick of covid so uh indeed yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's uh it wasn't covid that got in the way it was uh, real yeah, life. uh cor- corporate meetings in real life so i'm looking forward to meeting you because i always say in um, uh, several of the episodes that uh, i love getting feedback from the show and if anyone's got any input and You actually reached out, which was fantastic, to to actually talk to me about one of the episodes that I did about account managers. And am I right in saying that you use some of the input that I put in a podcast into uh, one of your presentations to more senior people than I know? So uh, absolute pleasure for you to reach out. But before we start, Guy, introduce yourself. Uh, Who are we talking to today?
1: Oh, thanks, Ben. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess I've been in um, uh, in the FMCG industry for over 20 years now, both in the UK and, and here in Australia. You can probably hear I'm a, uh, a Brit originally, but uh, now very much Australian, been over here for nearly nine years. Um, and, you know, kind of, I, I, I've been lucky enough to have a, a, a really interesting career because I've been quite schizophrenic. I've moved out of uh, large businesses. I started my career at Mars and L'Oreal, and then yep. um, moved into very, very small businesses. So I've been involved in several startups, um, uh, and and really sort of business accelerations as well. And um, yeah, I'm I'm just super passionate about our industry. I think we're lucky to work with food. I love food. Um, it's what I do in my spare time as well. And uh, yeah, and so um, you know, recently I, I started a consultancy to to really help um fmcg supplies really um either either establish sort of formulate their commercial strategy for the first time or i suppose redirect it and um and and typically my clients are falling into two buckets the first is um sort of probably around i don't know 30 million dollars turnover something like that so fairly small in our industry people who are um, really, sort of starting to catch the eye of the supermarkets for the first time and starting to do some serious business and need to grow up quite quickly. I mean that in yeah. a really respectful way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the life that I've led for for much of my career, has been in that in in that size business. Or alternatively, it's businesses who are much, much larger and often locked into very established categories where margins have been eroded over time, and they're looking to break free of of those traditional categories and to move into something completely new. But for them, that's not something that's a key, a key skill set. And so they they use us to really drive that strategy, um, you know, in the short or medium term to sort of allow them to break free of the orbit of the, the main business.
0: Awesome. Well, and I'm going to start off by saying, how is the consulting world going? Because you hear a lot of it. I personally have come across many consultants and... It's kind of one of those terms it's like probably an entrepreneur that everyone's an entrepreneur and everyone's a consultant but has there been a huge shift in your way of working and mentality from kind of the corporate I don't know would you say business kind of you're a you are a general manager to now being your your own person having to to kind of change culture and kind of change strategies how's that going
1: Yes, so um, my last role, if you like, in the corporate world was as general manager of of the Cobb's popcorn business, um, and, and I guess So it was a, a small role then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> it. it's uh, I think the business is sort of it's it's definitely in that segment we talked about earlier. I think I think sort of turnover wise, sort of sub fifty million. Yeah. Um, but um, but you know, look a great role in the great business, um, but but it is different. Um, when you are out on your own. And that for me was part of the attraction. I wanted to um, do something where, you know, I was testing myself every day and um, really uh, run, running my own business and really sort of, you know, um, putting myself on the line really and making sure that I was delivering the value that I thought I could. And and it is, it's, it's really, really rewarding to see the impact that you can have with businesses in terms of um, helping them move forward um yeah and you know what i I think now's a really good time to do it um only because i think covid as a as a huge disruptor um Mm -hmm. in our way of life in our thinking has just it's it's left more uh more people thinking about other ways they can get stuff done rather than just going through the traditional channels and i think traditionally yeah it was it was user recruitment consultant find somebody, offer them a job, you know, interview them, offer them a job. Um, and actually, you know, you've spent three or four months doing all of that before you've even started on what you wanted to get going on. Whereas, you know, w- we can drop in um, and, and be part of your business and partner you, you know, really from day one and start effecting change immediately. And I, I think people are kind of, we've, we've all been sitting on our hands, I reckon, for the last nine months and people are keen to get going again now. We're, oh, we're back at the it's.
0: It's just been a massive shake-up and uh, it's exciting that people talk about the negatives and there has been some negatives um, about it, like literally yeah, it's crippled uh, some economies, some businesses and the health of many, but it's definitely, like you say, it is a, a disruptor in so many different ways as well and it's nice that you can reap the benefits, but what, what I want to touch on is you actually reaching out on the the podcast i did around it was around about account managers um yeah. and don't be a stale account manager because that is changing as well and and you made some great comments when we um when we had a phone call a couple of weeks ago
1: yeah because I was, oh, sorry uh, no go, go for it i was just i was gonna say that I, I was i remember um listening to the podcast you did on account management and 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 you know, um, I was getting really excited. I was actually out on a run while I was listening to it, and um you spent a lot of time um talking about what makes um a great account manager, I guess. And you you know, you were talking to the personalities that you'd met in the industry in your time at Coles. and some I think that you mentioned you're still friends with today. And definitely, yeah. You know, they were reflecting you were reflecting on some of them had um Uh, a real personal nature they were interested in your daughter and how she was going and um and i was smiling from ear to ear because i'm as i said i'm passionate about our industry and the magic really happens when as an industry we uh keep in mind that this isn't a one-off sale right we're not used car salesmen um it's uh the magic really happens when we work together as retailers and suppliers to generate something which delights the consumer. Uh-huh. And uh, I was, I was sort of, I was sort of talking to you as you were doing the podcast. Going, <laughs> yes, this is what it's about. And, and and so I reached out to you. And I, and I, I suppose it's something that um, is at the heart of, of my approach um, to talking to retailers. Is is this sense that you've got to create a sustainable value chain? And what I mean by that is. um, really two things. The first is is that when you're going to a retailer with a new proposition, whether it's a new promotional program or some new MPD, or you're preparing for a range review or whatever, um, have in mind that you've got three key responsibilities. The first is is that you've got to be doing something that is going to absolutely delight the consumer and compel them to buy your product. But at the same time, you have to be in step and in line with the retailer strategy um, and, and it's no point having one without the other because it's simply it, 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 the wheels will fall off the wagon really, really quickly. The final point to that 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 kind of um, uh, sustainable value chain is that you've also got to make some money for for the company that you work for. Yeah. Um, and if you get those three things right, what happens is this remarkable um, alchemy. It kind of the relationship goes from um, a, a transactional, often you know, kind of can be you know, almost belligerent relationship to one where you're a team. The retailer and the supplier come together as a team, and you start really concentrating on growing the category or the sub segment that you operate in. And as a result, kind of ev- everyone prospers, um, and that relationship can be sustained over over years. And that's why you know that's why the term sustainable value chain sort of really resonates with me i like that i like that a lot
0: and what i want to touch on is you heard my views what's your views from being being a general manager and being someone that has overseen uh, account managers and everyone in between um between the whole yeah the, the supply chain um did you used to Train your account managers on their personality or anything like that? Or did you just let them be themselves and hope that the deal could be done?
1: Yeah, so look, um no, I would never try and train an account manager on on personality, right? I, I think um the point you made in the in the podcast a few weeks ago was that um Account managers need to turn up, and they need to have some vavavoom, or you know, <laughs> they, they need to have some enthusiasm, and they need to be gregarious. Um, I, I think good account managers are a bit like great chefs; they have this this desperate need to please and to do a really good job. Yeah, uh, good just like just like great chefs, really, really. And I've I've got you know, having worked in the food industry for twenty years, I used to run a team of chefs, um, and and they're really they're desperate to put the very best food on the plate, and account managers are. are or the best ones are really desperate to um, serve their customers incredibly well. And I think that came out really strongly on the piece you did a few weeks ago. Um, I guess what I would work much more closely with my account managers on um, was not their personality, but more about their targets and the, um, you know, if, if there was any sort of bonus involved in their role or even just in their, in their, you know, annual appraisal or whatever, um, uh, something that I've, Um, done routinely in the last 15 years is if we can record this is bonus my account managers on the profitability of their customers which sounds a bit odd but um and I actually did this when I was the general manager of Chilled at at Simplot Um, but by encouraging the account managers to see um, the relationship with their retailer as something that is mutually beneficial whereby if the if the retailer does well you know you as a supplier will do well it creates that that sense of team that I think is, as I said earlier, where the real alchemy happens. It's interesting because I even seeing it from both
0: sides of the fence. Like it is a tough slog, and people always go like. And it was funny because um, the episode uh, previous to this one uh, we're discussing with RTC Foods, Todd and Jackson. Yeah, I heard it. And and they they had to wait three years before their product came on the shelf and the product was too early for the time and it was a shame. It was, I, I had a great boss uh, for a couple of years where he used to say, be like a helicopter, literally go go down, get really close to the detail and then come back up and actually see if you're on the right track. And I think with this project, I liked the product more than kind of was there a need for the customer at that time. And I should have realized after three years, we should have just waited a little bit longer because, oh I'm my not God, like... Here, ben, because yeah. The <laughs> instead, yeah, instead of leading, uh, I could have jumped on the bandwagon of everyone else's. Um, but where I'm going with this point is that team between the supplier and the, the retailer is it could be 12 months, but the best ones that I've seen are the ones where, yeah, you can actually do the 24 month to 36 month planning and actually have that kind of roadmap in place but I don't think they come often but when they do they're beautiful little um, golden gems of an opportunity where you can actually work on something that you know has an end goal and I think you would have worked on so many projects over your time that some would have just failed at the first hurdle and some would have gone all the way and hopefully have
1: been a success. Yeah, yeah, a- a- absolutely. Um, and I can think of a number of projects, again, back at my time at Simplot, which is where I was before before COBS, where um, we were um, in, in really meaningful partnerships um, with um, certain categories within our retail um, customers. Uh, but then within the same customer in a different category, we really struggled to get, get mm. traction. And, and I suppose... One thing that I've learned over the years um, that can radically improve your chance of achieving that 24 or 36-month plan, that, that kind of shared goal and that sort of roadmap that, that you're going to walk along together as a team is is, is, is so simple, um, but it is just listening. And, um, you know, uh, when I I say this to my clients all the time, the first thing you must do when you walk into a, Um, into a customer is just listen is ask them what their strategy is ask them what their strategy is for the category Mm. ask them what their strategy is for the area of the supermarket the aisle of the supermarket Um, you know listen to their um, you know get to the uh, six monthly or annual updates that they give at a global level read their annual reports um, and make sure that you've earned the right to ask them to partner you for the longer term, because until you really understand what they're trying to achieve, um, I think it's pretty arrogant to suggest that you know what's best for their customers and what's going yeah. to be the best on their shelves. So starting with listening is, is, is an absolutely key step and only then can you go back and try and find that intersection or that crossover between the offer that you're bringing and, um, uh, and the strategy that the retailer is is trying to achieve or or wanting to deploy. Uh, And I think, you know, one of the huge opportunities for local and smaller and more agile Australian businesses, um, as opposed to maybe some of the multinationals um, that that play in our industry Mm. is that they have the ability to be that agile so they can really listen and they can actually, they can actually, I mean, we all know this word now because of COVID, but they can pivot. And they can change their offer slightly, not not dramatically, but they can change it enough so suddenly it is relevant to that strategy that they've just heard um and I think that's a real advantage that agility is a huge advantage for for that sort of Australian you know i don't know some fifty million dollar business yeah no I think that I think that's
0: absolutely fantastic advice I remember a uh, I remember my brother pulling me aside when uh back in lovely Manchester days where I was a twenty odd year old thinking I knew it all, and he <laughs> pretty simply he goes, "Ben, how many ears do you have?" I was like two. And he's like, "How many how many mouths do you have?" I'm like one. And he's like, "Use them in that ratio." And I remember him saying that because I was trying to sell. I was uh, trying to sell my nutrition services, and he just goes, "Just listen to your clients. Listen to what they need." and then you can put a plan in place for the clients instead of just selling your plan. And I was, and ever since that moment, I realized, Oh yeah, I should just listen more and actually understand what the client is. And people who lose, who want to lose weight or want to look good to get married or want to look good for the 50th is exactly the same as a category manager wanting to look good at the next range review. you. You've just got to listen to, to what they want. Um, and it's it's very simple advice but not many people do it so yeah i think that's absolutely great <laughs> uh,
1: you know uh, yeah as you say it's it's sort of it's blindingly obvious but rarely rarely deployed and uh you know and i think you can um uh, and you'll understand this as a as a product developer but i, I you know I, I think you can stretch that even further um, and you know um by by doing some long range co collaboration on innovation, mm. um, I think it's the same thing, right? I think basically what what we what we as suppliers um, can afford to do more often is actually talk to product developers and talk to category managers, and um, rather than doing the old school way of selling that you know perhaps I learned when I started my career in I don't know nineteen ninety seven, um, yeah. which was sort of Turn up with uh, uh, maybe an amazing project product. Sorry, under under a sort of cloche, give yeah. a big sales sp- spiel, and then <laughs> remove the, the cloche and say, <laughs> "I think you know that." That to me feels just incredibly old fashioned these days. Yep. and I'm much more of a fan of showing a um, a, a sort of a two year pipeline that is. You know, well thought out and carefully considered, and then and then a three and four year pipeline, which is much more conceptual, and actually giving um, giving you know the retail uh, the retail contacts the opportunity to comment on that pipe, you know, actually a year before it's even going to be uh, deployed yep. in the in the supermarket or even sold in in a range review, because by gather, gathering their opinions and their expertise and combining that with what you as a supplier know about um you know the formulation of the product or the technology you can deploy to make the product or the packaging that you can bring to market or whatever it is if it's just you know it's just a much more powerful combination and of course you know any uh, i guess i guess you know this better than me ben but any any retailer that has had an input into the product that you're bringing to market is going to feel a bit more ownership on it and they're going to be proud of it
0: i uh i knew this podcast would have a lot of little golden knowledge nuggets and not only have you, you come across a couple but i think this last one 100% agree like if you can if you can get their input even if it's flavour even if it's a packaging format even if it's i don't know just 1% of their input means so much to a category manager even anyone down the supply chain you've got to think that so many touch points are involved and yeah if, if you still do the old school way of spending two years creating a product and then it's the whole Ta-da! and it's like oh well that's not what i wanted because you've not listened to my strategy yeah, <laughs> i well, think well, it's well, like they've
1: you know they're in a conversation with somebody else and have been mm-hmm. for two months who's bringing that product to market and they know very well that that other, that other, that your competitor is doing that, and they would have probably told you that, and given you, you know, if you'd have listened carefully, they'd have given you some advice to say, you know what, maybe innovate in a different area, and you'll be more successful if you'd have listened. So, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a key input.
0: Awesome. Well, I think let's keep these uh, knowledge nuggets going, guy, because I <laughs> think they're fantastic. And what I want to get is your views on. You mentioned it before: um, startups versus multinationals, and again i'm in complete agreement that the startups can change can adapt can kind of bring new uh new products and new kind of flavors styles a lot quicker than probably the the process um hindering larger companies where do you see the future in maybe whether it's next year or the year after like especially with the startup world that you're working with these days like What's what's more? What's I'm going to say? What are other differences that you are noticing? Uh, one on a bigger scale, and even maybe in a, a narrower scale of like, does it excite you that more startups are popping up? And where do you see it going?
1: Yeah, I, I suppose. So, so the way I'd I'd view it is, I I said I you know I kind of left the big end of town, mm. in the Mars and L'Oreal, and went and joined a startup chilled meals business um in 2003 um uh, and uh big shout out to anyone that's listening to this from charlie biggums um now the biggest ready meal brand yeah, in the wow. uk um, <laughs> yeah they've, they've done well <laughs> yeah they're, they're just they're just and, and charlie, charlie is is still a great mate of mine and I'm, I'm really proud they they achieved b corps um certification very recently and i know they've been working incredibly hard to get that so just an amazing business but um kind of you know, I I don't think there there is less entrepreneurial entrepreneurialism going on yep. now than, than I saw back then. I mean, we grew up that business grew up at the same time as as other um, businesses, you know, like Goopoods or Innocent Drinks. We were all kind of contemporaries, and I you know we used to spend a lot of time helping each other out. And I see that um, I, I still see that today. I see a community of um, smaller businesses whether it's you know the likes of Shine Drinks who you you, you interviewed Steve um a, a, i don't know a few months ago now maybe Yeah now, definitely but, um that that community is very strong and they're very supportive of each other uh, what i think has changed since um since the sort of early 2000s is it's actually easier now to access supply chains that are more flexible so printing for instance has become yep. way more flexible so people can get you know, um, people can get lower volumes of print runs done. The access to uh, business services like um, good design houses—I know you were talking to the guys last week about that—a um, lot of that is is actually cheaper and more accessible, and that gives uh, startup businesses the ability to scale really, really quickly. And what yep. you know, what 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 I see in 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 some of the brands that I follow is they move quite quickly through getting their first supermarket, you know, listing to being perhaps in multiple categories, perhaps with 10 or 12 SKUs. Um, and, um, you know, I, I find that very exciting. And, and I know, you know, I know the retailers do too, because fundamentally they're interested in creating as as much quality competition on their shelves as possible, um, albeit, as, you know, as long as it matches their strategy, because, you know, they're in the business of, of, of you know, keeping prices competitive and and making the supermarket shelves a place where great products survive and thrive, and those that are slightly um, more old fashioned or or where suppliers have got complacent, well, obviously there's a bit of a you know a Darwinian impact there, and they they drop off. So, it's that speed to market that I see um, as as really exciting. I think there are some pitfalls there as well. Um, so I t- I talk to a lot of guys and and um, who who have got their first six or eight or 10 SKUs into a supermarket, and suddenly they found themselves with quite a serious responsibility to to that retailer and to their consumers to, you know, have a robust supply chain and make sure that if they've agreed a promotion that they can, um, you know, execute that promotion perfectly. And what that means is getting the stock in the right place, in the right volumes, um, you know, making sure that um, they're not, shorting DCs or what have yep. you and and that to me is the pitfall right is, is actually I think I think creating the consumer proposition has got a lot easier but the fundamentals of our industry which is still you know the, you know the operational bits yeah um, haven't and and they won't because um, you know as, as you find with doggy actually you um, if you get an order, you've got to fulfil that order, and there's nothing that can change that. You know, so <laughs> tell um,
0: me about it. I know I've, I've got no one to moan to, so you just got to get it done.
1: <laughs> just got to get it done. And I, I think you know, I think sometimes um, there's a temptation for some of these smaller or medium-sized businesses to concentrate on the the glossy bit and and, and not and and then not yeah. focus as heavily on the um, on the operational side. I, I also think they can be. Um, slightly naive about their, um, uh, about commitments in inverted commas that they get from supermarket contacts. So, you know, um, they can sometimes be a little bit naive about not getting things in writing and about taking or misunderstanding comments they may or may not have heard, uh, you know, and and so just just applying some of those grown up um, more mature business processes to conversations with retailers also helps and make sure that everyone's on the same page because things can get complicated and confused quite quickly. hundred percent agree. And I
0: think that that last point there around, get it in writing. I think if anyone is listening, I I don't celebrate a business award until, um, I've seen the email, (laughs) excuse me, and until you've got that email, that's when you can hopefully pop open uh, the champagne or a gin and tonic in my case, because y- uh, having it over the phone call, I, I it, it's nice, but you don't, you don't celebrate until you've got it in writing. That's my view.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's funny. The, the one thing I do see that, 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 that combines that, that is a trait of both the big end of town and the little end of town in the supply base is, um, is something is, is the, um, we talk a lot about successes and getting products listed and and popping the champagne and opening the gin and tonic. Yeah. Um, but as soon as you said that, uh, maybe maybe because I'm, I'm uh, I don't know, but maybe, maybe uh, I've seen this happen too often. But um, the other thing I think great suppliers do uh, to supermarkets is that they are ruthless on their own range. Uh, and if they see a product which is not achieving the hurdle rates that they expect it to they're the first ones to put their hand up and talk to the category manager or the merch yep. manager or the BCM and say, hey, you know what? We launched that range 12 weeks ago. We can already see that it's not doing what we wanted it to do. And, you know, often that does two things. One, it buys you, I think, the the right to try and correct the problem. And that could be through, you know, it's short-term stuff like promotions, um, etc., um or or marketing campaigns you know sampling campaigns or digital marketing um but it also gives you the 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 runway to start working on an alternative product um and i think far too often in our industry um we as suppliers are reluctant to accept failure and we try and sort of you know flog the horse to death rather than go you know what this 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 isn't um, this isn't working as we hoped. We've got this wrong. Let's go back to the drawing board and find out why and come back with a better uh, proposal so that next range review, we're not simply being put on the B prefix and then ultimately delisted, but rather we're already having upfront conversations with the buyer that says, you know, we understand there's a problem and we're going to we're gonna make some fundamental changes. And when we come back to the next range review, we'll have something to offer you that's better and and, and an improvement. I love it. And I think... The last thirty minutes, bang on thirty
0: minutes. If anyone from the industry is listening, I'm sure you will have taken some advice and I think a lot of companies i know I know with human behavior and myself you 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 kind of get stuck in your ways and you kind of go, this is the way we do it, but I think if you listen to this last thirty minutes, I'm sure there's kind of little gems in there where you kind of go, hold on a minute, I should, whether it's the listen part, whether it's, uh, yeah, just take on that advice as going stop uh, flogging a dead horse and um, go to the category manager instead of, yeah, hiding and going, oh, we might be able to scrape through. Uh, I just just think that's fantastic uh, information. And for the people who are listening and maybe want to tap into more of your knowledge, which (laughs) like <laughs> from the two conversations we've had guy I think uh, I've learned a hell of a lot so if if I had a business I'd, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd want to tap into your knowledge too so where where can people find you and understand more about how you can whether it's uh, increase sales or just kind of come in and go guys this is this is what I this is
1: what I see and this is what you could do to change yeah um, the, the best place to reach me is um... Uh, it's probably a bit old fashioned, but it's a website, um, McLaren Consulting Um, so that's McLaren like um like the veil um, or the racing car team. Uh, yeah. Yeah, McLarenconsulting.com. Um and um yeah, that's the best way to to reach yeah, me. Nice. And I'm on I'm on LinkedIn, so you can find me and Guy McLaren on LinkedIn. Um uh yeah, but it, you know, I, I, look, as I said, I love working in this industry. I love it when when um when it goes really, really well, I also like sorting out the problems when uh, when it, when it's not gone so yeah. well. But um, yeah, and 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 you know, the the only reason that um, you know I say these these things with humility because you know all of these lessons I've learned the hard, the hard way. That's so.
0: that's what I like. I, I like that you have actually experienced it and done it. And there's a lot of people uh, that you see, well, you see them posting on LinkedIn where it's going. They talk a lot. And it's well, you've got someone here yourself that has actually been through it and uh, has lived kind of yeah the ups and the
1: downs. So I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, look, I I I, yeah, I, I fell into this industry straight from uni, and uh, I've I've never looked back. There we go. And I think it's done well for you. But I just want to say thank you, guy. It's a shame.
0: Yeah, I couldn't uh, do it in person, but I, I look forward to. Uh, to seeing you soon and uh yeah chatting more about uh, the industry which i think uh i know you love it and uh i did a bloody po- podcast about it so you know how much i love it so yeah looking well, ben, forward I, think to- that
1: was, I think that was the first thing i said to you when i reached out to you was well done for getting off your ass and actually doing a podcast about our industry because you know it's it, i think sometimes it's it's just easily ignored Oh,
0: 100%. And the the feedback, and that's why I love the feedback that you gave, because every episode there's there's a few comments, and I do it because I know people are, are thinking kind of all the headaches and all the ups, downs, in-betweens and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just ni- nice to, nice to get some uh, passion and insights out and meet people like yourself. So thank you again for your time, Guy, and, uh, yeah, have a, well, have a great weekend and, uh if anyone has any feedback about this podcast insights yeah please reach out to whether it's myself or guy directly and uh and probably everyone have a great christmas uh if you don't listen to the next episode but yeah have a great christmas and new year and uh let's see what 2021 brings